Scripture reading this morning comes from Luke chapter 9, verse 23. And he said to all, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross daily, and follow me. Jesus came to this world to make followers. And everywhere he went in his earthly ministry, he was constantly challenging, constantly inviting people to follow him. We're going to spend just a few lessons talking about what it means to follow Jesus. It's a series. As we think about introducing this concept of following Jesus, notice what he does. When Jesus went around in his earthly ministry, he didn't just set up a place and start teaching. Jesus was interested in creating followers. It's more than just education. It's more than just filling people's heads with facts. He wanted people to come after him. And so when Philip, the apostle, was introduced to Jesus, Jesus spoke to him and said in John chapter 1, verse 43, follow me. I want you to come with me. And then later on with Peter and Andrew, follow me and I will make you become fishers of men, Mark chapter 4, verse 19. And then later on when he saw Matthew, the tax collector, he was collecting taxes, he was busy. Matthew chapter 9, verse 9, he said to him, follow me. This invitation, this challenge that Jesus was giving to people, it's important to pay attention because it was a consistent refrain throughout his ministry to the rich young ruler who wanted to know what he needed to do to inherit eternal life. Jesus said, go and sell all that you have and give to the poor and you'll have treasure in heaven and come follow me. We sometimes focus on selling all that he had and giving to the poor and we miss out on the fact that Jesus was inviting the rich young ruler to be a disciple, a follower. Matthew chapter 19 verse 21. And as was just read a moment ago in Luke 9, 23, it's parallel passages found in places like Mark chapter 8, verse 34. Whoever desires to come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. So Jesus is inviting everyone, including you, to follow him. He came to this world to make followers, to create followers, and that was consistently what he did. Now, you are aware if you've read the gospel accounts that on the night he was crucified, when the soldiers came to arrest Jesus, the scripture says that all of his disciples forsook him and fled. Mark chapter 14, verse 50. And so what happened when Jesus returned from the grave? What happened when he rose from the dead? What was his message then? In John chapter 21, there's this beautiful account of Jesus talking to Peter and Andrew and the others, but specifically it focuses on Peter. In John chapter 21, verses 19 through 22, and notice what Jesus does with Peter. Simon Peter, do you love me? Lord, of course, of course you know I love you. Feed my sheep, and then at the end of that account, at the end of that episode, Jesus spoke about Peter's coming death, and he said, follow me. And then Peter turns around and looks at the apostle John, and he says, well, well what's going to happen to him? I, I'm going to die for you. What's going to happen to him? And Jesus says, if I'm willing for him to stay until I return, what is that to you? You follow me. Over and over and over, Jesus is challenging people to follow him. And even after they've disappointed and deserted him, 
Jesus still wanted to create followers. I would submit to you this morning that that's still what Jesus is doing today. He still wants people to follow him. He wants you to follow him. And there's something that's wonderfully amazing about what Jesus is doing in creating followers. This was the very core, the very center of his ministry. He was going around making followers. And think about the the logistics. Think about the logic of it. It's wonderfully practical. What Jesus was doing didn't just have to do with education. If Jesus wanted just to fill people's heads with facts, he should have just recruited the Pharisees because they knew the Bible inside and out. And he should have just used the Pharisees to go and to make more educated people. But it's more than just education. I've heard from many of you about YouTube and how YouTube is so practical. You want to learn how to change a tire? You want to learn how to fix plumbing in your house? YouTube probably has a video that shows you how to do it. And it's much better than just reading an instruction manual, isn't it? Because if I just look at the rules, if I just look at the instructions, I might mess up. But if I see somebody changing the tire, if I see somebody fixing the plumbing, whatever it is, and I see how it's done, it's practical. It's not just education, but transformation that Jesus came to bring to people's lives. And not only that, it's incredibly simple. I mean, how hard is it really to follow someone? When we're talking about complexity, Jesus said to Peter, Andrew, James, and John, follow me. He didn't tell them where they were going. He didn't tell them all that was going to happen along the way. And all they had to do, Peter, Andrew, James, and John, and the rest, they had to look at Jesus. They had to go where he went. They had to listen to what he said and believe it. And he told them everything that they needed to do. It's not always easy to follow Jesus, but it is simple to follow him. Not only that, it's amazingly inclusive. This strategy of creating followers is inclusive. Anyone who wants to follow Jesus can do it. Well, but, but what if I'm what if I'm not as quick as somebody else to pick up on spiritual truths? What if, what if I have trouble kind of keeping my focus? You can still follow him. Well, what if I don't come from what people might think of as the right background? And what if I don't have the right look and the right level of education? What if I don't have the right kind of income? You can still become a follower of Jesus. He challenges everyone, follow me. And it's amazingly inclusive what Jesus did. What I want us to do this morning with our study is I want us to think about this concept of following Jesus and to break it down into some concepts that all of us ought to think more about when we ask ourselves, am I truly following him? Am I really doing what Jesus desires for me to do? Am I really following him? Because I'll tell you something, listen very carefully, everybody is following someone. You may not think you are. You may think I'm independent. I'm a nonconformist, just like everybody else is. I'm doing my own thing. You're following somebody. You've gotten some ideas in your head. You've gotten some thoughts and processes that you're going to pursue for whatever reason. You're following somebody. So you're either following Jesus or you're not. Six concepts involved in following him, and he invites you this morning to come and to follow him ever more closely. Concept number one is this, the concept of motivation. 
And the concept of motivation spelled out goes like this. If you don't know the way, then you should follow the leader. If you don't know the way, you should follow the leader. A couple of weeks ago, my family went on vacation with my brother's family. My brother's a gospel preacher down in Rosenberg, and we all went together to eastern Oklahoma. There was no cell service for me in eastern Oklahoma. My brother had cell service, which was good for him. And so wherever we went, he became the leader because I didn't know the way. I didn't know how to get from where we were to where we were going. And so we would get into our vehicles because he's got a family, I've got a family. And I would say, okay, remember, I'm following you. And that's not always something that's easy to remember when you got a place to go. I didn't know the way. I was extremely motivated to stay behind my brother because I didn't want to get lost in the hills of eastern Oklahoma for a lot of reasons. Motivation. Open your Bible to Mark chapter 1. Look at verses 16 through 18. Mark chapter 1, verses 16 through 18. And look at this account. In Mark chapter 1, beginning in verse 16, the Bible says, As Jesus walked by the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. Then Jesus said to them, Follow me, and I will make you become fishers of men. And verse 18 tells us the result. They immediately left their nets and followed him. So here comes Jesus and he issues a challenge, follow me and I'll make you become fishers of men. And the question on my mind is why? Why did they think that it was more important to follow Jesus than to keep on fishing? Because that was how they provided for their families. What motivated them to drop everything and follow Jesus? And interestingly, the Bible doesn't give you an answer in this passage, but in other passages, the Bible does give you some hints about why they did this. For example, as you read on in the rest of the gospel accounts, it becomes obvious that for the apostles, there was a sense, there was a, a, a realization in their hearts that something was wrong in their lives, something was missing from their lives that only Jesus could provide. In Ecclesiastes chapter 3, verse 11, the wise man said that God has put eternity in the hearts of men. There is something about us as human beings that realizes that we don't have all the answers and that something is missing in our lives until we find someone who can satisfy that longing. And the apostles believed that Jesus was the one who could do it. They admitted, secondly, that they didn't know the way. On one occasion, the apostles were standing with Jesus and the rest of the disciples were leaving. And Jesus says, are you also going to go away? And Simon Peter says, Lord, to whom shall we go? You're the one who has the words of eternal life. John 6, verse 68. Proverbs 14, verse 12 says, there's a way that seems right to a man, but the end of that way is destruction. These men admitted they didn't know the way. Only Jesus did. Next, as you think about the apostles, they believed, they were convicted that Jesus was going where they wanted to go. Why follow him? I want to follow him because he's going a place that I want to go. He's going to end up in a place and I want to be there with him when he ends up there. In this particular challenge in Mark chapter 1, he says, follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. 
I'm going to turn you into something that you're not. I'm going to give you some values and some priorities that you don't currently have. When we think about following, I want you to think about this as far as motivation is concerned. Following someone begins with a very clear, a very definite choice. Are you listening? Following Jesus does not happen by accident. There is a time in our lives when we are not followers of Jesus. We might be curious. We might wonder and we might even learn some things about him. And we might even say, you know, I like that he does this. And I like that he acts that way. But we're not really following him. There's a crisis point that comes in everyone's life. And we need to make a definite choice. Choose you this day whom you will serve. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord, Joshua said in Joshua 24, verse 15. We need to make a definite choice because we believe that Jesus knows the way and I don't. Following concept number two, the concept of focus. Open your Bibles to John chapter one with me for just a moment. The concept of focus goes like this. If I'm going to follow someone, it requires constant attention upon the leader. When I was following my brother's van around eastern Oklahoma, my family was looking out the window and they were commenting on all the things they were seeing. Oh, look at that store. Ooh, look at that natural wonder. I didn't have the luxury of turning to look at all the stuff my family was looking at because my brother has what I call a lead foot. That's, that's not to disparage him. He drives fast. And if I was going to keep up with him, I had to stay focused because sometimes he would get three, four, five cars ahead of me. And I got to stay where I can see him. Look at John chapter 1. I want you to just see something that's going on with Jesus and the apostles here. In John chapter 1, verse 44, the Bible says that Jesus is in a place called Bethsaida of Galilee. And I've got that marked on the map on the screen behind me. But then watch what happens. As you read on in John chapter 2, verses 1 and 2, Jesus is in a place called Cana, several miles to the west. And guess what? The disciples are there too. How did those disciples get there? But then if you read on in John chapter 2, you'll notice in verse 12 that Jesus is back in a place called Capernaum on the north side of the Sea of Galilee. And then if you read on just a few verses later in John chapter 2, verse 13, the Bible describes Jesus as being in Jerusalem. And then when you get down to John 2, 17, it says the disciples are there with him. And then if you read on, you'll find they go down to the Jordan River where there's some baptisms happening. And eventually in John chapter 4, verses 3 through 5, Jesus ends up in Samaria talking to a woman by the well. We read through John 1, 2, 3, and 4 sometimes very casually, and we don't think about the geography of what's going on. These people are putting in some miles, aren't they? My question when it comes to following is this. How did the disciples get from Bethsaida to Cana to Capernaum to Jerusalem to Samaria? How'd they do that? How'd that work? Did Jesus give them a map? Did he give them an outline of where he was going to be on a certain day? Here's how it happened. In Mark chapter 1, verses 35 through 39, Jesus is up near the Sea of Galilee. And in the morning, everybody was asleep, but Jesus woke up really early in the morning. And the Bible says he went to a private place and there he prayed. And for our purposes, watch this. 
Simon and those who were with him searched for him. And when they found him, they said, Lord, everyone is looking for you. How did it happen that the apostles went all over Israel and even up into places like Tyre and Sidon? How did it happen that they covered so much geographical territory? And I'll tell you, every day when they woke up, they looked at where Jesus was. Is he walking today? Is he leaving town? Well, I guess we better leave town too. Is he going into the synagogue? Well, I guess we better go to the synagogue too. Is he heading down to the temple? Let's follow him. Let's go where he goes. It was as simple as that. Put your eyes on the leader and go where he goes. That's what these followers were doing. If you and I want to follow Jesus, it requires constant attention upon him. That's why the Bible says in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2, that we are to run the race with endurance, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. That's why the Bible says in Colossians 3, verses 1 and 2, that we are to seek the things which are above, and it specifies where Christ is at the right hand of God. If I want to follow the leader, it requires constant attention, just like those apostles. Where is he? Where does he want me to go? What does he want me to do? And maybe if you're like me, you're asking this question in your mind. Okay, John, that's easy for the apostles. They just had to wake up in the morning and go find Jesus. Where is he? And follow him wherever he went. How do you follow somebody you can't see? Aha. Uh -huh. You have to come back next Sunday, Lord willing, for that lesson. How do you follow somebody you can't see? Because Jesus does challenge you to follow him. How do you do that? What does that look like practically? It's not just waking up in the morning and looking around physically for where he is, but it requires constant focus upon the leader. Number three, the concept of adjustment. Following requires continual adjustment to the leader. If the leader decides that it's time to go fast, it's time to go fast. If the leader decides that it's time to take a detour, it's time to take a detour. In other words, the leader determines the agenda, not me. And the leader sets the pace, not me. If I'm going to be a good follower, not only do I have to watch the leader, but I have to adjust to what he's doing. I have to make changes in my schedule, in my life. I have to ch make definite, determined decisions. Something's going to change about the way I spend my time, the way I spend my energy, the way I spend even my money. Those things have to change because I'm adjusting to what the leader is challenging me to do and following him. Make sense? It's like following a van through eastern Oklahoma. Sometimes it goes fast, sometimes it goes slow. Sometimes my brother makes right turns. I don't know why he's going down that road, but I'm going to follow. I'm going to adjust. I would have kept going. But if I'm going to be a follower, I got to stay behind. And so it is in following Jesus Christ, making adjustments. You know, there were a lot of people that came to Jesus with what we call unspoken conditions. Unspoken conditions. I'll give you an example. There was one occasion when this scribe comes to Jesus and says, Teacher, I will follow you wherever you go. And Jesus gives a really interesting response in Matthew 8, verses 19 through 20. Jesus says, Foxes have holes, birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. 
Does that puzzle you? Does that kind of strike you as strange? I mean, most of us, if somebody said, I want to follow Jesus wherever he goes, that's great. I'm glad. But Jesus could see into people's hearts and Jesus could address the unspoken conditions this man had put on discipleship. This man, based on what Jesus is saying to him, this man has some things going on in his heart that he hasn't properly addressed yet. He's saying to Jesus, I'll follow you wherever you go. That's what he's saying with his mouth. But Jesus knows that that's only true as long as this man has a place of security and provision, a place where, like a fox has a hole and a bird of the air has a nest, a place where he can land safely. I'll follow you as long as those conditions are present. That's not the way it is if we're going to follow Jesus. I will follow you wherever you go. I will make whatever adjustments must be made in order to stay with you. Regardless of how difficult, regardless of how challenging, regardless of whether I have the information I feel like I need or not, I'm going to follow the leader. Concept number four. When we think about this challenge of Jesus to follow him, think about this. The challenge involves a relationship. Now listen, this is a proven concept, not just in terms of what the Bible teaches, but in experience. The longer you follow someone, the better you get to know them. In medieval times, people would often give their children to a tradesman, a craftsman, and they would live as an apprentice with that craftsman for years and years and years. And what those young people that went to learn a trade or learn a craft would do is they would not only learn how to do what the craftsman was doing, but they would also develop a really close relationship. And so it is in following Jesus. He's not just interested in getting the disciples from Cana to Jerusalem. He wants them to know who he is and what he's all about. And so all along the way, as they're walking from here to there, as they're traveling from this point to that point, Jesus is constantly doing some things. As you read through the gospel accounts, just to give you some examples, in Matthew 4, verse 23, everywhere he goes, he's healing people. What does that tell you about Jesus? What does that tell you about his heart? Everywhere he goes, there's sick people and people bring their sick to him and he can fix it. He can cure it. What do you learn about Jesus in watching that? But not only that, they're asking him questions because he's saying some things that puzzle people. Lord, explain to us what this means, Matthew 17, verse 19. And Jesus didn't say, I know the secrets and you don't, and so I'm not going to tell you. He answered their questions. The Bible says he explained the parables that he taught. He taught parables to the masses, and then privately, it says in Mark 4, verse 34, he just called the disciples together to himself, and he explained what they meant. What do you learn about Jesus as you watch him, as you follow him? What did the disciples learn? He talked about what was going on in his heart. He was on his way to the cross. And repeatedly, he talked about he being full of sorrow, being full of concern for this destiny, this goal that he had in his life. How do you feel about those things? Mark chapter 10, verse 32. The longer you follow someone, the better you get to know them. Surprising things 
on the night he was to be crucified, the lasting image he wanted burned into his disciples' hearts and minds was the image of him down on his knees, washing their feet, John 13, verses 1 through 17. And he said, I've done this to you to show you an example of how you ought to treat others, John 13, verses 15 through 17. Servanthood. The longer you follow someone, the better you get to know them. They saw him at a funeral weeping over Lazarus. Shortest verse in your English Bible, Jesus wept, John 11, verse 35. The apostles were there and they saw his tears. The longer you walk with someone, the longer you follow them, the better you get to know them. And you know what's really neat about that? What's really neat about that is that you can learn to know who Jesus is just as much as those apostles did by following him. And even greater than that are the many statements that Jesus made to the effect of this. If you know me, Jesus says, you know my Father in heaven as well. Think about that, John chapter 8, verse 19, among many other places. Whoever knows me knows my Father. The longer you follow Jesus, the more you know God. That's nothing to be trifled with. It's discipleship. Concept number five, the concept of change. How do people's lives change? People's lives change when we become like the one we've chosen to follow. It is a proven method to transform lives. It's not just about education. It's not just about filling people's heads with facts. It's not just about assimilating all the information and being able to raise my hand and give the right answer on the multiple choice quiz. It's about putting that into practice in my life because of the one that I'm choosing to follow. Change happens when we genuinely follow Jesus. And you know, sometimes we ought to ask ourselves as Christians, what's really changed in my life because I follow him? What's changed in my life lately because he is my leader and I'm following him? If following Jesus requires continual adjustment to what he's doing and where he tells me to go, what's different? Change happens. Look in your Bibles at Mark chapter 9, verses 33 and 34. Mark chapter 9, verses 33 and 34. We become like the one we choose to follow, whoever it is. You know, back in the early 90s when Friends, you know, the sitcom Friends became a big thing, all the young ladies wanted Rachel's haircut. I remember that. I don't know why, but they just thought that was a great haircut. And so all of a sudden you started seeing all these people walking around town and their haircut looked like Jennifer Aniston's. They wanted that. We become like the one we choose to follow, don't we? In Mark chapter 9, verses 33 and 34, Jesus, when they come to a place called Capernaum, goes into a house and he turns around to his disciples and says, what was it that you guys disputed about on the road? They were back in the back. They didn't think Jesus could hear, but he knew what was happening in their hearts. And so the Bible says they were a little bit embarrassed. They kept silent for on the road, they had disputed among themselves who would be the greatest. Now, if we're thinking about discipleship, there's a before and an after photo here. The before photo looks like this. These guys who are following Jesus are full of pride, they're full of ambition, and they're full of rivalry. Who's going to be the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? That's the before picture. Keep that in your mind. Now turn over to Acts chapter 4 and look at verse 8. Acts chapter 4 and verse 8. Before and after, and I'm so thankful 
that the Bible doesn't just say that the disciples immediately were transformed into everything that God expected them to be. As they followed Jesus, they changed, and the change was sometimes very gradual and sometimes very slow to take place. In Acts chapter 4, verses 8 through 12, Peter and John, filled with the Holy Spirit, speaking to the rulers of Israel. If we, have, if we this day, verse 9, have ju- are judged for a good deed done to a helpless man, by what means he's been made well, let it be known to you all and to all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead, by him this man stands before you whole. This is the stone which was rejected by you builders, which has become the chief cornerstone. Nor is there salvation in any other, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. Here's the after picture of those disciples. They are bold and courageous in speaking what needs to be said to those rulers. Not only that, but they are self-effacing and humble. How much credit does Peter take for what happened? How much does he say, you know, I've done a really good thing for this man, and why are you guys putting me on trial? He doesn't say that. He says, Jesus Christ did this. We're just preaching him. We're just holding on to being followers of his. And the Bible goes on to say in Acts chapter 4, verse 13, that the, 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 rulers, of the, the uh, rulers of Israel, the Sanhedrin, they determined and they saw that these people were like Jesus. They were uneducated, unlearned men, but they had been with him before and after. And the Bible says the same thing will happen in your life and mine when we follow Jesus. The Bible says that what happens as we follow him is that Christ is developed in us. Colossians chapter 1 verse 27. That we are conformed to his image. Romans chapter 8 verse 29. That we will be like him in every way one day. 1 John chapter 3 verse 2. That's something to think about. The change that takes place in the life of a disciple. Last concept, as you think about following. Concept number six, the concept of destination. Followers go where their leaders are going. Isn't that true? You follow somebody long enough, yeah, you'll get to know them. Yes, you'll change, you'll be transformed, but you'll eventually end up at the same destination where your leader ends. Jesus said in Matthew 15, verse 14, if the blind lead the blind, both shall fall into the ditch. You'll go where your leader goes. Be careful about following blind leaders, Jesus says. Back in the Old Testament, in Exodus chapter 3, verse 8, God told Moses that he was going to lead the Israelites to a land that flowed with milk and honey. And you know what God did? He made a pillar of cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night in the middle of the camp And all the Israelites had to do when they woke up in the morning was look at that pillar of cloud. And all they had to do at night before they went to bed was look at that pillar of fire and they knew where God was. And all they had to do was if the cloud moved, okay, time to pack up camp and we're going too. And when the cloud rested, time to set camp and time to get everything out and unpack. That's all they had to do. We go to the destination where our leader goes. Jesus says to his apostles, John 14, verses 1 through 4, Let not your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. 
and I will come again and take you to myself that where I am, there you may be also. And you know the way to where I am going. Jesus went to prepare a place for all those who follow him. And if you follow him, you will arrive at the same destination as the one you follow. You know, I heard a preacher one time say this, be very careful about who you follow and make sure that you don't follow anybody who's never been to heaven. Because nobody else besides Jesus knows the way. Nobody else made the round trip. Nobody else left heaven, 2 Corinthians 8 verse 9, to come to this world and show us the way. Follow me. Nobody else did that. Follow him and you'll arrive at the destination in which he's arrived. Following is a really simple concept, but following Jesus brings a lifetime of challenge, difficulty sometimes, but amazing and abundant opportunities by the grace of God. Won't you think more about what it means to follow the leader? What it means to truly and genuinely follow Jesus? Maybe you've not made the decision yet in your life I want to commit to following him no matter what. I want to do what he says. I want to go where he goes. I want to learn about him and know him. You know how that begins biblically? Biblically it begins when I come in humble faith and repentance and I say, I, I don't know the way. I want to follow Jesus. I turn away from everything else that attracted me, everything else that I've been involved in. I turn away from all that, and I want to be baptized. Because at baptism, we participate in what Jesus called the new birth, John chapter 3, verse 5. And that's when we begin our life of commitment and discipleship. Won't you, if you've not done so, be baptized this morning? And maybe you need to recommit your life to following Jesus. We're willing to pray for you, to pray with you. Whatever your need is this morning, won't you make it known to us while together we stand and while we sing. No turning back, no turning back. Though none go with me, I still will follow.